Hey everybody, it's Jordan. So here's the deal. We had a guest book to give us an interview yesterday morning, which would have given us enough time for some quick editing and then a release of a brand new episode today. But that guest had to reschedule somewhat last minute. And so we aren't going to have that interview available and we don't have any other brand new material to release today. So Philippa and I agreed that I would put out an older episode and I have selected the first ever episode of the Ruminant podcast from way back in, from way back in, it looks like 2012. I have not had time to re-listen to it. Um, It's about potting blocks. It's an interview with a guy called Jason Beam, who used to have a website called pottingblocks.com, where you could find lots of advice for making uh, potting blocks, otherwise known as soil blocks, those freestanding blocks used to grow seedlings instead of standard 1020 trays. A lot of you are still using potting blocks. I still use potting blocks in some contexts. So maybe there's some useful info buried in here. Who knows? But really, uh, I just thought it would be fun to share this lost episode that you otherwise couldn't find until now on the main podcast feed. Back then, when I started, uh, well, I sounded different. I've listened to the first couple minutes, so that that I can say. But I also didn't have a proper logo. I just went into Microsoft Paint and took a, made a square that said the Ruminant Podcast, period, in red on white. Um, I don't remember exactly when I went and had the logo made with the pensive bovine, but I certainly didn't have it in place when things started. Anyway. In two weeks on our next release date, we will have a brand new episode for you. And until then, I hope this will tide at least some of you over. I noticed when I went and found this episode that there are just a few more that have never been shared on the modern podcast feed that perhaps I'll find a way to share in the next few months. I mean, for the record, they're all available in secret spots online. That's where I went and found this. I I don't even know where I have these old episodes stored on like my own hard drives. They're just hidden in my house somewhere. Um, But there are secret spots online where you can go and find these old, old, old episodes of The Ruminant. All right. Okay, here we go. This is about an hour long. Jason Beam, thanks for giving me an interview in 2012. I noticed that pottingblocks.com is not a thing anymore, and I hope it's because you retired on a sweet, sweet potting blocks fortune. Okay, I guess maybe I'll talk to you at the end, everybody. Hello. I'm Jordan Marr, and this is the inaugural episode of the Ruminant Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I'm really excited to try this out. I've been wanting to do a podcast for a while. I think I've got some pretty good ideas to, to uh, put into a farming farming podcast, and uh, I'm really excited to see where this goes. Uh, for those who have found this on iTunes, I'll just briefly mention that uh, for about a year and a half now, I've been running a uh, website called theruminant.ca. And it's devoted to uh, creating a space for farmers to share good ideas about farming. So one of its main functions is um, I accept photos of your farming techniques and tools um, that uh, I'll put up on the blog to share with other farmers. Um, So I can talk maybe a little bit more about that in future episodes. Um, But for now, I'd just like to get going on today's today's first, uh, first show. So one thing I'm going to try and include in most episodes of the Ruminant Podcast is a segment in which I will bring together an expert on a given farming skill and a novice at that skill who has had at least a little bit of experience attempting to learn uh, this new skill. The idea is that before you actually try a skill on the farm or in the garden, um, there's only so much you can know just by reading up on that skill. It's not until you've done it for a little bit that you start to realize all the questions that you have unanswered. And uh, that's when it becomes really handy to talk to someone who really knows uh, that that skill quite well. And hopefully that'll result in a conversation that will uh, benefit any listeners who want to take on the skill themselves. In today's episode, I'm going to be talking with Jason Beam about potting blocks. Jason is uh, the owner-operator of a website called pottingblocks.com where you can find just about everything you need to know about using potting blocks in your garden, um, in your nursery, that is, uh, to to transplant into your garden. 
In this case, I won't have a third person in on the conversation because uh, I'll be acting as the novice um, in the interview. My partner Vanessa and I became interested in soil blocks a couple years ago, and last year we, uh, for the first time, we we used them in our nursery um, to some success, but we we had some challenges as well. And and so when I was uh, I was excited to talk to Jason um, about some of the problems we encountered and to see what he uh, had to say about them. So I won't say too much more, other than. Uh, it's a very long interview. It's it's almost an hour, and uh, if you're interested in just um, in just skipping to certain parts of the interview, if you go to my website, theruminant.ca, I've broken down the different topics that we cover in the interview, so that you can quickly jump around to uh, to the specific uh, topics on on potting blocks that that you'd like to listen to. Um, I think uh, I'm really excited. There's more to come for sure with this uh, podcast, but for now, uh, this this episode just features my interview with Jason Beam, and I'll uh, let's do it up. Let's get started. Hello, Jason. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Hello, Jordan. Thank you for having me. Well, um, I've been really excited to talk to you. My partner Vanessa and I started. Uh, we got we, we started seriously uh, producing uh, soil blocks for our market garden here in British Columbia. Um, the beginning of 2011. And uh, so I thought I'd start today by just telling you how I got into producing soil blocks because I, I have a feeling it's, it's similar to how a lot of people do. Yeah. Um, back in, well, whatever, I'll just say a few years ago, I, uh, I read uh, Elliot Coleman's uh, New Organic Grower for the first time. And I, 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 but before that, I didn't even know what soil blocks were. And I became fascinated by the idea. So during an, my uh, second, well, first apprenticeship on a, on a veggie uh, garden, I, uh, I started, I, you know, I, I, got, I assembled all the materials I could and I made my first batch of potting blocks. And I have to say it, uh, it went really badly. Um, <laughs> and I was really discouraged. And uh, the whole time, my, you know, my, my, my teacher on the farm was kind of indulging my uh, interest in doing it. But um, she, she had tried it. In, in a similar vein years before and had no luck, and so she figured that it would end badly. And uh, so, so that was kind of it for, for on that farm. And then, uh, but, I, you know, I, I knew that it was probably because I wasn't doing it right, so um, I kind of kept it in the back of my head. And then um, once, once my partner Vanessa and I started our, our garden, I, it was a chance to try it again. And uh, we did so and had quite a bit more success this time around. But I'm just wondering if, if uh, and, and I'll get to, 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 ask, to telling you a little bit more about last year on our farm, but I'm just wondering if that uh, sounds familiar to you, that description of, of um, a first attempt at soil blocks. Yes, Jordan, that is very familiar, and we get a lot of that, and that is partly the reason for creating pottingblocks.com, is after talking about how great these were, I realized there wasn't a lot of people that were getting the same results that I was, so that was partly the reason to create pottingblocks.com, is to re-educate these people that have failed the first few times and we're actually kind of saying potting blocks, soil blocks don't work. Right. So um, before we get into some questions, um, and now this segment is, is, is more focused on people who have done a little bit of, of, of um, soil blocking before or making potting blocks, but can you just uh, very, very briefly describe, um, you know, what, what are soil or potting blocks? Well, soil blocks are a compressed cube of potting soil as a seed-starting medium that does not have any pot. It's the potless pot. You compress wet potting soil into these prefabricated steel machines called a soil blocker, and they eject cubes of soil of different sizes for different needs in anywhere you want them, and it's a freestanding, solid, completely perfect seed starting medium great that's a that's a pretty good description and um so now i think it's safe to say that that's the ideal and when a lot of people uh go and do it for the first time they don't find it to be a perfect seed starting uh medium so why do you think so many people are having trouble what mistake what's the main mistake they're making the main mistake i think is mindset that this is a completely different way to start seeds. So if you've started them with a loose-filled, dry potting soil just topping off into a plastic pot, the soil block mindset is absolutely completely different. What we're doing is we're taking potting soil 
and we're turning it into a big pile of mud, and then we're going to compress it as, as much as we can compress it into a cube and spit it out. And we're supposed to say, this is where we're supposed to start a seed? And I say, yes, this is exactly where do you start a seed. So it's mindset. If you go and say, well, this isn't going to work. I, I don't believe this is going to work. Well, it might not work. But if you were like me, you said, I know this is going to work. So you work with the soils. You get them just right. You either make your own or you find the right soils. You go ahead and you just get crazy and you make it into a big pile of mud. And you squeeze it into that soil blocking machine and spit them out. And you just seed them and you just try it. And it works. And that's that's what Vanessa and I have found with a little more effort. And I, but I, I do think that probably uh, our big mistake starting out was just not having the right mix, the right uh, uh, potting mix to start out. Uh, especially that first time, I just kind of I didn't even go off farm. I just looked at the the recipe that Elliot Coleman suggested. I did my best to assemble the equivalent from what was around the farm, and then went at it. And I think ultimately the the mix I was using was was just not uh, not the right one. So so let's talk a little bit about um, about the right mix, because am I right in thinking that's the most important thing is making sure you have the right uh, uh, starting mix before you, you know, when you're about to make your soil blocks? You're absolutely correct. That is the most fundamental difference in soil blocking is that it has to have the right mix. Okay, so why don't you, do you mind talking about what are, what are just, just take me through it. What are the elements of an excellent soil blocking mix that, are more, that is more likely to result in, in success with soil blocking? The most excellent results are a blend of a, a, a peat, peat moss, um, and a blend of perlite and a blend of compost. These, these are, and if these three ingredients are put in the right the right order, the right ratio, then you'll have a perfect soil block each and every time. Okay, so now you just named ingredients. Those are all found in, in any typical uh, potting mix that you buy from a nursery um, that you would normally use in plastic pots. So I know, you know, it really it's the ratio of them that, that, that differs. So so what, can you can you explain how the ratio differs when, now I should say, um, Jason has um, some really specific instructions and recipes on his website, um, and actually, I've just we've just started our first um, our first seedlings in the last couple of weeks, and I'm using a recipe that Jason's um, recommended, and so far I've had I've had good results. But but Jason, what um, you know, how, how does that ratio differ? What you know, what what are you thinking about when you're when you're what what is what does anyone making soil blocks really need to think about as they're as they're mixing it? Well, they, real, they have to realize that this is going to be a compressed medium. So that means that you can't have too much peat because peat will compress and it will inhibit the roots and the airflow in the soil block. So what would help the soil block, I call it, bounce back a little bit, and that's perlite. Perlite, enough perlite to balance the peat is really essential. So not too much peat and enough perlite to give that bounce and that air that's going to be in the soil block that the plant is going to need since the soil has been compressed and that we right. find that perlite is the best. Okay, because now last year when, um, when Vanessa and I, you know, did round two and, and more, you know, we had a lot of success last year. We had some challenges too, but uh, we weren't using perlite. We were using sand, and I know that um, – you, you do say sand is can, – can, you, can, you can use sand on your site, but you really feel like uh, perlite is, is better in, in that role. That's right. We do feel perlite better. Sand, sand does work, and it takes some experimentation. And sand is good for certain applications. And that would be like um, if you're having soil blocks or your seed starting um, section or your benches are outside – and what we've noticed that sand adds a lot of weight to a soil block, and that's good for windy sites or sites that are drying out and it's windy, and they weight down the block in in the pans or in your benches. So it's sort of sort of an application specific, but for the most part, we don't like sand, and it doesn't create the ideal environment for the seed. 
And, and is all sand made equal? Or if I'm going to use sand, is there a certain kind of sand that I want to be looking for? If you're going to use sand, you want to make sure that it's been washed and it's a, it's a heavy grade, like a construction grade, coarse sand. Nothing fine. A fine sand will turn your soil block into basically a pile or a block of concrete. You want to look for large, coarse, washed sand. You can find those at gravel yards. Ask for the large, coarse, washed sand. And the washing means that it's been washed of either all the salt or all the sediments or whatnot. So it's a pure product. The most common place to find pure, large, coarse, washed sand is at your hardware store because people use it to mix in with their concrete. Now, Jason, I've, uh, I've assembled all, uh, all the ingredients you have listed for your, soil, your potting um, recipe, um, and uh, I, I was quite happy to do it, especially now um, having had some success last year, but now I realize the potential of having um, you know, a really excellent uh, 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 soil block experience. So I was happy to go, like most of, most of the ingredients you list uh, have to come from off-farm, and they're expensive. Um, um, you know, and if this works out, I think it's going to be well worth the investment. But I also know there will be listeners out there who find, you know, really appealing the notion that they could, they could actually take most of the ingredients from on their farm, just from a sustainability point of view or from a, a cost-effectiveness point of view. And actually, when we, uh, my, my, Vanessa and I were passing through Oregon, we stopped at a farm. Uh, um, the name of the farm escapes me now, but it's Don Tipping. He's a seed producer in southern Oregon. And he, he uses soil blocks um, with all of his seedlings quite successfully, but he actually does it with a very, very simple recipe. He uses um, uh, well-composted de- well veggie compost, um, a little bit of sand, I believe, and, uh, and then a handful of um, crushed eggshells in each mix. And he was doing that successfully. Um, does that... Um, that suggests to me you, you, can, you can get away with a recipe like that, but I, I imagine that you've got to be really confident about your mixing abilities and of the quality of the stuff you're putting in. That's correct, Jordan. This is the best new development in soil block making is on-farm soil production. And we at pottyblocks.com are really helping the beginner soil blocker, but the people that are doing these farm soil blocks are developing potting soils right on farm, and it's very possible. What we try to do is get people to work with the system correctly at first, and then we try to encourage people to start finding ways to make soil blocks at home, because it's not a great big mystery once you find the way that the soil block should be made. It should have enough bounce. So in in that particular mix, I can see that he's using his vegetable compost, which is key, there can be a lot of bounce and a lot of stick to the soil block made with vegetable compost, which is perfect. And then eggshell sounds pretty good, too, so it's sort of like a combination between a perlite and vermiculite, and eggshell is the perfect medium. So, you know, it's not all cut and dry with soil blocks. It's not the end-all, be-all just to use peat and perlite, and that's the end of the story. This is a developing field to actually make on-site soils for your potting block. Right, but you, you recommend that the beginner try and stick with a more tried-and-true recipe before attempting something uh, more homemade just because it can be discouraging if they get the mix wrong. That's right, yeah, that's absolutely right. Once you figure out what's happening, you can then begin to experiment and create, and we've done plenty of that, and we, we can pretty much say for almost certain that if you do the right type of compost, you can almost create a soil block from a perfectly made vegetable compost. And that's almost like saying what you put in your compost in the end will create the soil block that you're looking for. So it's almost like you can back up and think well ahead of schedule. Almost two years that I want to make soil blocks begin to create the perfect compost pile now. And so that's what we've been experimenting with. Right, okay, and uh, I won't ask you to comment much about this, but I also know that you, you mentioned that worm castings can be really awesome in a mix as well, eh? Yeah, worm castings are the best, and they, they can take up the, the soil and the compost ratios in our recipes. So really, if all you had was worm castings, peat and perlite, those three right there 
are the most perfect combinations for a soil block. We encourage people to make their own worm castings at home and, and stockpile up because, again, you can be feeding the worms uh, certain materials and you could almost be creating the perfect soil blocking mix from pure worm compost. And that's, again, just by what you're feeding the worms and what the end product is going to be, you want to think, well, what do I want to have in my soil block? That's where you start to feed the worms with. So if we back up and we begin to think, how do I want my soil blocks months from now? And that's what you right. feed your Okay, really interesting. Yeah. Now, well, then, then I think suffice it to say that uh, that the the mix is the, having the right mix is absolutely essential. Um, so that's that mainly deals with the medium. What about the uh, what about any fertilizer that you're you're mixing in? Can you talk a little bit about what you should be going for uh, with 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 any minerals and fertilizer you're adding, and, and any any risks involved in terms of adding the wrong amounts? Right. Sure. Well, fertilizers to me when it comes to soil blocks, is always something called a long-term release fertilizer. And the reason why we want a long-term release fertilizer versus a short, quick burst of nitrogen fertilizer is that the medium is going to be wet from the very start. And when a potting soil is wet, that's when the fertilizer begins to break down. And soil microbes are awakened by moisture. So if it's long-term release, that means that it's going to be slowly breaking down, and so you won't, you won't uh, kill your seedling with, say, an ammonia off-gassing type of situation from a rapidly expanding nitrogen fertilizer, but a slow-release one. And the, and the number one slow-release nitrogen fertilizer that you can get your hands on is blood meal, and that is the best. Now, these days, blood meal has had sort of a bad reputation. That's quite all right. The organic industry has found plenty of other slow-release organic fertilizers powdered to put in your soil block mix. And we use soybean meal here on the farm or cottonseed meal. Okay. And uh, now I should, I should say, so if anyone is listening and they're considering starting soil blocking for the first time and they're very, very experienced making more conventional um, seedlings using plastic plugs with a, a more conventional um, potting mix, it, it, are, the fertili- are the fertilizing requirements essentially the same? In that case, I mean, what, what, if, they, if they have a tried-and-true recipe of minerals and nitrogen, that they're slow-release nitrogen they're adding to their traditional mix, is it going to work in a, in a blocking mix? Traditionally, they're very similar. Although I have noticed that the, pot, the potting blocks would have a little bit less, and that's, again, because we don't want to inundate the, the seedling with too much fertilizer in the beginning because that might inhibit germination. So, but they're traditionally the same, but just maybe I would say overall a little bit less. But how is that? That 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 kind of begs the question: what's what's different in the germinate, germinations in uh, in a in a in a potting block or soil block than in in plugs? I mean, wouldn't that be the same concern in plugs that that um, uh, you're fertilize? You know, you don't want to you don't want to over fertilize, or is there something different between the two methods that 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 uh, requires a little bit less fertilizing? Yes, it's completely different. And the reason is soil blocks are compressed soil, plugs are loose-filled. And what that means is the plugs will automatically have more air within the plug cell. Soil blocks, the block itself, will not have enough air in the block. So what that does is that clamps down on the amount of oxygen available to break down or to give the plant roots its available resources versus a plug has plenty of oxygen to buffer the nitrogen uptake. But with a soil block, there's a little less oxygen in the soil block, so that could create what's known as an anaerobic bacteria situation, lack of oxygen. And so that could stunt your plant or even the ammonia off-gassing can kill the seedling. And so don't be afraid of that, but what you have to remember on the flip side of the coin is a soil block has is surrounded by six sides of air. So what the plastic pot does is it, it seals up the air from the outside but has air in the inside where the soil block says, well, we don't have very much air on the inside, but we have access to six sides of air. And so right, that's right. where the plant and the, 
plant roots, and the seedlings will generate its air and be able to buffer any of the, the nitrogen fertilizer in the potting mix. Okay. Well, I think that's uh, that's that's a great start to the conversation um, regarding regarding you know the the the, the soil medium, and uh, so I think we can we can move on. But I, I do want to mention that at pottingblocks.com, Jason has got all kinds of um, really uh, detailed information about making that perfect mix, uh, especially for beginners. And I just used one of his recipes. Um, I made the mix a couple weeks ago, and. Uh, my first results. I mean, I I, I haven't the, the, my stuff still. Um, I got some parsley seed just just still just about to come up, and um, some uh, some onion seed that is uh, germinating well. But uh, so you know we'll, we'll see how it goes. But so far, I, I really like uh, the consistency of the box. Um, so the next thing I want to talk about is okay. So you've made your mix. You've done your research and made your mix. This is where, as a complete beginner, things can start to get like <laughs> challenging because. You go and you, you water your mix for the first time, and you've got your uh, soil blocking mold, molders, and, and then, uh, you know, your first question is, oh, like, what, how much water do I use? You know, it's, it's, I mean, it's really a trial and error thing, but is there, um, are there any mistakes people tend to make? Like, I'll, I'll tell you, I just, when I started, I did not know how much water to use. And I guess, my, I guess I'll start by asking, can you use too much water? I mean, can you always err on the side of too much water? Is there any sort of... Uh, are the blocks able to kind of deal with that and just the water will fall out if you've got too much in there? That's right, Jordan. It's better to air on a wetter block than it is on a dry block um, because drying your dry blocks, remember, if you're already exposed to six sides of air, drying out is going to be a problem, and they're going to dry out really fast when the weather starts warming up and a little air, warm air begins circulating. So always air on a wetter block, and we found that that's really the best way to deal with soil blocks. All right. Well, yeah. That that I wish I'd known that when we got started. I think probably in the end. I also noticed on your site you mentioned to um, to to water your mix and then let it sit for an hour before you before you actually make your blocks. Is that correct? That's right. And that is that is a very key point there because when you let your your wet potting soil soak up for about an hour, what that does is all the little peats and all the little fibers, organic plant fibers that were in your compost and whatnot. We're going to get those soaked with water, completely saturated. So what happens is is that when you plant your seed and you begin your plant begins growing, none of those spots in that soil will dry out quicker because of the wicking effect I call from a piece of dry peat or a piece of dry straw in your compost. That dry material begins to wick and dry out the whole block a lot faster than if all your fibers in your soil block were completely saturated from the beginning. So it prevents a lot of drying out to the beginner. If he'll just let his blocking mix soak with a little water, and there's one test you can always find out to make sure you know that your blocks, blocking mix is absorbing a lot of water, is when you go away for an hour, come back, and you'll notice that your, that your blocking mix has become a lot drier because all those fibers are absorbing more water. So it's almost beneficial to even add a little bit more water and then begin blocking, and then you're set up for a great block that probably won't dry out. Okay. And, I, you know, I found last year that it doesn't take long. I mean, you, you start making the blocks, and either they're sitting quite, you know, they're really holding their form when you inject them onto your trays, or they're not. Uh, so that's, you know, that's fairly easy just with a little trial and error to figure out. But then where it gets like, um, it's especially, I think, I, I find like unnerving if you're, if you're kind of, you're going all out with these things. So let's say you're just not, you're going to trans, transition your, your uh, nursery into using soil blocks. You're taking a risk, right? Like if you're not going to, if you're not going to have any uh, of your old style um, plastic um, plugs as, as backup, because what if you do it wrong? And it's, it's just really unnerving. Now we did it last year and overall it went really well, but I just want to go over a few of the worries that we had and some of the, the challenges that come up, that, that came up. What, so, so one thing has to do with, so I inject my, um, I inject my blocks onto my onto my tray. One thing has to do with with spacing them um, because I know that ideally you have air accessing all of the sides of the soil block. But if you're using one of the um, one of the soil block makers that has like 20 blocks in in the thing, you know, like there's there's a couple of them that that allow you to to um, to make 20 blocks at once and eject them. Are all those 20 like all the rows in between the you know, they usually come in um, five rows of four. Are all the, is there enough space in between each row 
for adequate air pruning, or do you need to actually physically go in and, and, and space them out a little more? That's a good question, Jordan. It, it all depends on the grower. We don't space them out. We think that that little bit of one-eighth of an inch gap is good enough for a fast-germinating seed that we're going to be transplanting in the garden a little time anyway. Um, say a, a, it's going to be a slower germinating plant, and you're going to kind of leave these, leave a tray of these um, seeds or these plants made in these 20 blockers in the back of the greenhouse for a while because they're slow to germinate. They're going to be slow to grow, the, and the season's coming on very slowly. Then in that case, we will actually manually separate them out a little bit and give a little bit of, little bit of air around the blocks. And that's if they're going to sit around for a while. They need air, and, and if we're not going to watch them so closely, the roots might start to dangle into each other. And so it's all crop-specific, but like a fast-germinating crop that's going to be in the garden in a couple of weeks anyway, we don't go through the trouble of separating them out. Okay. Um, all right. So then let's talk a little bit about germination. That's kind of a stressful stage, especially when you're new and you're really relying on them to germinate well. On your site, you, you say that for the vast majority of stuff you're starting in blocks, you, can, uh, you don't have to cover them with anything. You leave the seeds exposed to the air and then perhaps cover them with like a garbage ba black garbage bag or something that keeps them dark. Um, can, you just, can you comment on that a little bit? Do you find that that's quite effective? Like I think last year we were covering ours either by pinching them shut, so we're not at, we weren't adding any dry material on top. Any, not we weren't sprinkling on any compost or anything. We were just pinching the holes shut in the uh, in the soil blocks. Sometimes we were sprinkling stuff on, and I think you say on your site that that can um, that can that can be a problem because then that that dries out the tops faster, and then you get seeds drying out. That's right, Jordan. This is a very fundamental point, and this really shows me that you really are into blocking. So you're right. If you go ahead and make these wet blocks and then you go ahead and sprinkle dry potting soil on top, well, didn't you just defeat the purpose of trying to keep a block moist and, and have a moist, warm germination uh, place for your seedling? I think so. What we've found for the beginner is that once you seed your block, for, mo for most seeds, it's not necessary to cover uh, our, with potting soil, but we do recommend the black garbage bag system. Now, that's because everywhere in the world there's a black garbage bag still to this day. What we like to do is take a flat or two. You can sometimes get three flats of seedlings in soil blocks, and you can seal them up like they're going to bed. And yeah. a really dark sealing up kind of place for your soil blocks. So you seal up the sides and the bottoms. And what we either do is we set another, we set a sheet of cardboard, or sprinkle a little water on top of this flat, these flats that you've made your soil block. So what happens is that weight is weighting down that piece of black plastic. That's going to prevent the seed from popping up because it's not covered. Or in your case, you pinched it. So what we like to do is seal it up tight. And the moisture and the heat is going to germinate the seed quickly. And then the, that taproot is going to say, oh, well, that black piece of plastic is preventing me from going popping up out of this seed dibble hole in the soil block. So I guess the only option is, oh, down into the soil block. So once you see your seeds have seeded into the soil block, lift up the pl black plastic and your seeds will be just fine. Now that works for most seeds, but there are some seeds that we still to this day cover, and that's all the brassica coal crops uh, seeds because they have a tendency to pop out of their 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 seed coat when they germinate. Again, we still use the black plastic over the potting soil sprinkled seed that we put in the block. So we're always using the black garbage bag no matter what on our farm. Okay, so I have a couple of follow-up questions then. First, really quickly with the brassicas, when you say popping, you just mean that they have a tendency to pop and sometimes get almost too high out of the growing medium, like they're separated from the soil and then they can dry out easier or not germinate. Is that correct? Correct, yeah. When they germinate, they pop their seed tip pops out of the out of the seed and they kind of bounce above the soil block I see okay the other main question is um, this your your technique suggests to me we weren't doing this last year are it suggests to me that you're getting away on most 
crops with not having to water them until they're germinated. Is that true? That's correct. The soil block medium itself has plenty of moisture, plenty, for the seed to germinate and the seedling to begin to grow for several days. Okay, because this is kind of crucial. We didn't do this last year. We ended up doing a fair bit of watering while they were germinating, um, which can cause problems. If you don't water lightly enough, it can, it can um, wash the seeds out. Um, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's, it's quite time-consuming, that sort of thing. So I, would, <laughs> I really want to – personally, I want to come away from this conversation with, um, you know, with, a, with a sense of how, how, to, how to do it from now on. So, um, uh, so mainly I just I, – I, I, I take – oh, I, and just in, in, correspondingly, I, I should mention, we're, we're starting out most of our seeds on heat mats, and I'm wondering – can I get away with not watering? Is there still enough water in the block? If I wrap it like you've been saying, but then put this on a heat mat, do you think I can get away with not watering for, for most seeds? Absolutely. That's how we do it. That's how we do it here all the time, and we've been blocking for 11 years now, 12 years now this year, and we've done it the same way ever since. We've developed this way ever since, and heat mats and black garbage bags are a perfect combination. You won't have to water. And you just have to, all you have to do is lift up the, the black plastic garbage bag once a day, twice a day, to make sure that the seeds have germinated. Once they've germinated and they're well seeded in the block, seeded meaning that that tap root is, po- is poked down into the little dibble hole, then, yeah. you're, safe, then you're safe to uncover the, the black plastic. And your seedlings will then have a few more days where you won't have to water simply because that black garbage bag had sealed in all of that moisture from your wet blocking mix to begin with. So we really think that that's the best way to go. It will buy you a lot of time. The only time is actually checking to see if my seeds have germinated because it's actually a manual task, lifting right. up the to inspect. Now, now, I guess it's not enough. You know, I'm always looking for the laziest way to do things. It's not enough, I would, I would think, to just – so say I lay out three trays – of, on, of blocks with onion seeds. It's not enough to, like, cover the top of them with a garbage bag and then maybe put some cardboard down. It's really because they'll, I, I guess, well, I'll ask you, will they dry out that way? Is it really important that they actually are completely wrapped in a garbage bag? It's not crucial that they're, they're wrapped completely, but we do call it the sealing method, so, like, sealing it up. So, as you can see, it's important for us but it's not absolutely crucial or absolutely necessary that you be you be that uh, that adamant about covering up that height. Because one other one other problem I foresee uh, being someone with um, fat fingers and a short temper is uh, oh. it, it just being finicky getting them in and out of the bag. Um, especially, I mean, I'm just thinking of the trays I'm using right now. I'm using quarter inch mesh wire, and there's some you know I haven't been really careful about filing off the sides of those little pieces of wire sticking off the sides of the tray, I could just see it being a nightmare getting in and out of the garbage bag. Do you have any techniques for making that process easier? Oh, yes. Uh, A clarification. We don't put soil blocks in the garbage bag. We just use the garbage bag to set on top of the seed flat. So if you said you had three flats of onions, you know, that's about the size of a a medium-sized trash bag. You You just push the trash bag on top of the seedlings. You're not putting anything in the garbage bag. Ah, so, and then when you say sealing them, you just mean trying to tuck the bag around the, the edges right. of the trays then? Yeah, tuck, tuck the bag around the edges of the trays. Absolutely right. Yeah, the, we try to make it as easy as possible. Don't bother putting them in the garbage bag. Just use the garbage bag to put on top. Okay, I'm really looking forward to this. I, you know, I, I, uh, I've been watering. I have been top watering um, both the parsley flats and the the onion ones, and uh, just as a precaution, I'm so scared of them drying out, but I think I, I really risk, I think, knocking the seeds out, and, and um, yeah, it's just kind of time-consuming. So that's great. That's really helpful to, to know. Okay, so Jason, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, move on to, to uh, you've got, you've, you've, you've fought, you know, the listener, <laughs> the, the beginning soil blocker has followed all your advice, and they've got great-looking blocks, and they've had really good germination, and now they've got to take care of these seedlings for as long as they're in the nursery. And uh, one thing that we found so challenging and time-consuming last year was watering. We found, for whatever reason, I think maybe because we were using the wrong mix and so we didn't have an ideal block, but for whatever the reason, we found that, um, well, well, I should also say we were kind of scared of damping off. 
Um, so we did we, – we watered hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of blocks last year all by bottom watering. And then what made that really challenging is we, we didn't have – to me, if you're going to bottom water, the ideal situation is the trays themselves are sitting in some sort of um, permanent home with, a, with um, an outer edge that's raised above the bottom of, their tra- of, the, of the tray that the seed trays are sitting in so that you can just fill the, tray, the, the larger tray with water. Um, but we couldn't really do that because we didn't have perfectly flat benches. And, well, I would, we had a, for our first year of our market, we had a terrible nursery last year. But anyway, it was a nightmare for a few reasons. Um, we ended up having to lift each individual tray. We were watering them. In this case, we were only watering them once a day and found that enough. But once a day, we had to move every single tray of, heavy, of soil blocks in our nursery into the larger tray to bottom water them and then put them back up on where they were, where they, they were sitting. And it was very time-consuming. And, and trays of soil blocks are heavy. It, it was actually just, you know, quite – it was like a lot of physical work. So I'm hoping mm-hmm. you, can, you can speak to that a little bit. What's the ideal way to set up your nursery to make for efficient watering? And, and, but first I'll ask you to address damping off. Is there much of a risk of damping off if you do soil blocks right? No, absolutely not. We've grown seedlings for 13 years, and I've never experienced – damping off, and we've used soil blocks for almost 12 years, and we haven't experienced any damping off, not once. And that is because we paid attention to our nursery, greenhouse, uh, seedling bench environment, wherever it may be, even if it's in your home. See, what you've got to remember is that the damping off fungus is everywhere anyway. It's everywhere. It's in the earth. It's in the air. It's in the atmosphere. It's in your home. It's in your greenhouse. So you can't get away from it. But what you can do is create the right environment so that it won't become a problem. And damping off thrives on damp, still, kind of lukewarm air. So all of a sudden I've described a not-so-very-nice environment for seedlings but a wonderful environment for damping off fungus. So what we want to do is bring the temperatures up wherever we are, increase the airflow wherever we are, and make sure we have plenty of light for the plants because there are seedlings, they're growing, they're thriving on light, light and more light. So damping off fungus is really has nothing on those three crucial factors. So just make sure that you create the right environment and you'll never have damping off. I, I promise you. Okay. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back to that in a sec. I wanna, I'm going to describe for you my setup so that you can evaluate it. You can predict whether it's going to be a problem for damping off. But first, okay. um, uh, talking about watering, I really hated bottom watering. I think that to do it right, you really have to have a really good um, – greenhouse bench that's really level you have to have the right larger trays that sort of thing can i get away if i do it correctly with top watering completely this year absolutely the benching, okay the benches and the greenhouses systems are not the ideal bottom watering situation the ideal bottom watering situation is for so the small scale gardener or the gardener that's got a couple trays in his home on a nice level you know table or bench top. It's not about the, the growers whose benches are very uneven. You found that out the hard way. You can get away with top watering. And it's not about getting away. It's about accelerating your plant growth with foggers and misters. High quality fogging and misting equipment will deliver air and water to block, which remember the inside of the soil block has a little less air than plugs and trays and and pots, plastic pots. So what the fogger does is it delivers water with air molecules all around it. So it's a good blasting of water and air from the top. Plants love it. I actually don't know what a fogger is. Can you describe that to me? Sure. Well, they're commonly known as fogget nozzles. And what they are is they're they're specific brass nozzles that spray a very fine particle of water. And they blend water with the air as it comes out of the nozzle with their little 
nozzles, the little air hole tip. So a fogget nozzle comes in four different flow rates, half a gallon per minute, one gallon per minute, two gallon per minute, and four gallon per minute. And so as your seedlings grow, they're going to require more water. So you, in, you just change out your nozzle and continue to fog your plant. The problem with damping off and the problem with, with, um, with your seedlings being overwatered in the beginning is there's not enough air with that water. What fogging does is it provides air and water. Your blocks love it. They'll never be overwatered with the fogging system. It's and this is, just, this is just a thing that goes on the end of my hose? I don't, this is not like, that's as it's simple as that? A, it's a garden hose attachment. Um, okay. That, it, it's called Fogget Nozzles. You can see them on our site, on our, on our soil block site. You can inspect them. We carry the two most common sizes, which is the half a gallon per minute and the two gallon per minute. The half a gallon goes for the micro blocks and the two gallon per minute is best for the two two inch blocks or bigger. Okay. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna get one. Uh, absolutely. Uh, uh, yeah. That's I'm really glad to know about that. So so um you but but just to be clear then if if we weren't like if we were just planning on using a typical like uh, you know watering rose or whatever it that that's not ideal. A watering rose is just fine. In the beginning, though, you have to be careful because, remember, if we didn't put any soil to seed in our, uh, our seeds, they might be a little loose in the beginning. So, like a watering rose might damage or bend our seedling down, and we don't want to do that. Fogging never hurts the seedling whatsoever, but you can definitely use a watering rose. You just have to be very careful because in the beginning, the soil block is, it's, it's young, it's immature. The soil block could wash away if you are too, if you're too, if you use too much water, let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, the, soil, the soil block itself will hold together under most watering conditions, but if you're constantly hammering them, then you should, anybody should expect a, a little soil block to, to wash away if you're too harsh with the watering. But a rose, rose watering can is common. We'll, do, we'll use those here. To, but that's more to deliver a lot of water to a dry block that needs water now. But for the okay. most part, be more consistent with fogging and make a, make a systematic approach to you watering your seedling instead of trying to catch up by half the water. You should just always be on top of it with fogging. And how we do that is try to suspend your hoses above your potting benches or your seedling benches. And, there, and then just reach up and spray the nozzle and it's done. Okay. And um, so I think you, you recommend if you're going to top water, let's say with a fogger, like three times a day, you're, you're, you're getting them watered. Is that right? That's correct. And every situation is different depending on the, the, the season and the crop and all that. So it, it's a rough estimate to say, hey, you just need to take a look at your plant at least three times a day. That could seem excessive to some, but the fogging system is, is really helping your plants grow faster. I think they deserve to be looked at. Uh, three times a day. But for the most part, if you don't have three times a day, once a day is enough. Just fog them down really well in the early morning or fog them down really well at about one to two hours before the sun sets. Never water at night. Oh, I see. Okay. I didn't, I didn't know that. I'm glad to know that. Um, now, uh, Okay, so, and then I'm just going to add, and, and you just tell me if you agree. If, if you do, I mean, inevitably sometimes you find a tray or two of blocks that have dried out too much. That's when bottom, bottom watering can be really great, isn't it? When you just find a larger tray that you can fill with an inch of water, sink the tray in there, and let, let, let the blocks drink as much as they need. Is that, is that right? That's right, Jordan. That's the perfect description of using the bottom watering tray. Okay. Now I'm in. A, I'm just. Uh, I want to move on to. I have two more topics I was hoping to cover. One. One has to do with um, another concept uh, covered uh, in Elliot Coleman in conjunction, kind of, with the soil blocking, which is. Now I'm going to confuse people using a similar term differently uh, with block planting. So this is in in one block that you're eventually going to transplant, putting say. Um, five onion seeds that are going to turn into five different large bulb onions. Uh, and then when you go to transplant them, you just space the blocks further apart. So per, per square foot in your garden bed, you're going to ha get as many onions, but it's going to allow you to grow five in one 
place and then a larger space and then five more, which makes for easier weeding and that sort of thing. And I really want to make this work. I really like the concept, but so far with soil blocks, I haven't had a lot of luck. And I'm just wondering if you do block planting, uh, if you think it can work really well with soil blocks and just general comments on that. Yes, it's called multi-planting, multi-blocking. Multi-blocking, thank you. Multi-blocking. It is an advanced concept and technique, Jordan. You're absolutely right about this. It takes some time and it takes some practice. The concept is, just like you said, less work in the end, more seeds in one block, and the soil block is the perfect medium for that because we have more soil packed in a soil block than we do uh, of plastic pots of the same or even larger size. So it's the ideal medium to house many plants in one block. So, so I, just, I just wanted to say, Jason, interrupt you and say that um, one, another reason for, for, for attempting the, uh, the, multi, the multi-plant, multi-block method is that, that blocks take up, so soil blocks take up so much room in your greenhouse compared to um, uh, plastic, tra- plastic plugs, and this is a way to kind of conserve space by, by having on certain types of crops, which are, which are able to do it, um, having multi-seeds coming out of one soil block. That's right to a degree, Jordan, uh, but I would like to make a fine-tuning correction on this. Soil blocks don't necessarily take up more space in a greenhouse than, than uh, plastic plugs and trays because the reason is is that the soil block plant will grow a lot longer in one size versus you will be, you will be transplanting your plastic plug and tray systems and pot systems probably two or three or four times before you would be transplanting your soil block, or in this case it's called potting on, you would be, you'd be saving so much more space by just creating an initial block and then letting the plant grow in that one block for any designated amount of time. Now, I do think that that's the space savings versus the plug and the pot system, plastic pot system, and not to mention square is also a, a valuable saving space, saving shape versus circular. So if your pots were circular or your plugs were circular, you're also saving space to that, ge- that geometric shape alone. So those, right. are, those, are, those are a little bit of corrections on that notion, that, that popular topic there. But when it comes to multi-plants, um, the, the key here is uh, – the key, the key to multi-plants why it's not working for a lot of people, I believe, is that they, they don't know that five, let's say five beets are going to grow in one block. And that, mean, that means that that's going to take a lot more water and keep your eye on fertilizer. And the, the, growing, the growing of five seeds in one plant require faster timing into the, into the garden, faster transplanting time than just one because one can use up a block for weeks longer than five can. So it's about getting it into the garden fast, and it's about transplanting them deep into the soil and make sure that your garden soil is adequate for five plants as well. So you you want five crops out of one block. So everything's a little bit quicker and everything's a little bit more intensive. But once you get the ratios right with, with space and fertilizers and good garden tilth, then you'll find that your multi-plants will be a success. Okay, and one more quick question that should probably be more straightforward. One thing I don't get as I've transitioned into soil blocking with onions, do I end up trimming the tops of the onions at any point? You know, like if I'm growing growing them in in traditional plastic flats, most people end up just before they plant them, or even like once or twice while they're seedlings, they, they trim the tops down, and then a lot of people then... A lot of people, when they're about to transplant, they trim both the tops and the roots. Is it any different with blocking? Because I would think you can't get at the roots with soil blocks. Well, that's right, Jordan. You really can't, and, you know, you, sh- you shouldn't. Uh, the, the blocks are air pruning the, your onion seeds, your onion plants, so you don't have to. Now, the, the thing about um, topping your onion plants is, is it does stimulate more growth, but um, it's all about timing. So if you can go start planting beets, or I mean, excuse me, onions in January. So go ahead and start planting onions in January. You'll definitely be topping them before you transplant. But if you're going to get out to a late start, um, you know, start planting in February, even late as March, you're 
your onion seeds are are being boxed in your blocks, then I wouldn't necessarily trim them down too much um, because all green matter is um, photosynthesis uh, factories, and I wouldn't want to you know, take away the, photo, the ability to the plant have photosynthesis if they're growing rapidly, and I don't think it's necessary. But if we're planting onions in January, we definitely find we're topping them by March and putting them out uh, when garden soils garden soils ready. Yes. Okay. So great. Thank you for that. I, I've always been wondering about that. Now, last topic I want to cover, Jason, is is transplanting the blocks. A huge, like a probably maybe the greatest purported benefit of blocks is that if you do it right, the air prunes the blocks so that you don't get root bound seedlings, and such that so that when you put them in the ground, they're way more ready to just start keep on growing, extend their roots into the new their new larger soil medium. Um, and I just I would love for you to tell me and, and any listeners interested, you know, how to maximize those results. What's the best? I mean, what what do you need to think about when you're transplanting your blocks? Because I think uh, Vanessa and I are still making mistakes in this regard. Okay, I would say what do you need to think about? Deep enough planting. And the reason is is the same reason as it always is. is there's more chances for a soil block to dry out than there is um, amongst anything that's the problem is the soil block could dry out. So if you don't plant your, your block deep enough, remember, this is a very thirsty block that you've, you've you, from the very beginning, it's been saturated with water. Now, if you go into the garden and haphazardly plant a soil block and say even a side is exposed to air, that plant isn't going to be able to draw water fast enough from your garden environment now, the soil, the earth, as fast as you've been drenching your soil blocks with water. So the key there is is a deep hole for your soil block planting. And what that will do is allow your plant's roots to be able to quickly tap into the, the subsoil moisture and begin to draw as much water as it was used to. And that's the key. That's the key. What you have to remember is never, ever have a block available to your site in the garden, meaning you should never be able to see your soil block in the garden. The plant should be well buried, and only the stem and the stalks should be visible. And a lot of crops are even deeply seeded to the point where we're burying up the seed leaves, maybe even burying one or two true leaves. And this is in the case of tomatoes. The brassica crops, melons, cucumbers, we're burying so deep and we're, get, we're burying them so deep that we're covering up even, even the leaves of the, the first true leaves and in the seed coat leaves. So remember those points and you will, you will be blown away at the results of soil blocks by deep planting and a good solid firming. It's sort of like squeezing out air, air in a balloon when you're trying to deflate a balloon or a, or a soccer ball. You want to squeeze out all the air in the garden soil, and that will allow the plant roots to be able to access water first, not air, and dry out. Okay. Well, listening to you say that, I think Vanessa and I were doing kind of a half-assed job, which is a shame because you go, you go to all this work with the blocks, and you, you invest in all this equipment, and then uh, the blocks have done their job, and then you don't, you don't create the conditions for them for uh, transitioning them into the garden. Um, and right. then I assume, I assume it can't hurt when you transplant them and you've You've, you've put them in, like you just described, this very likely kind of a well created. It can't hurt to saturate that with water, to water those wells in and let that all sink in. Is that right? That's right. It, it can't hurt. But, again, if efficiency is your game, that's going to be a lot of work. The best way to transplant soil blocks is that your garden should be well tilled. Um, and when you go to plant, the soil's all fluffy and you, and you, and you push it down and the most important thing when you go to transplant your soil block is to water your soil block extremely well. Saturate your soil block, not your soil, and transplant at dusk. And what will happen there is the completely saturated soil block will go into the earth and the, the roots and everybody will be happy. When the time the, the darkness comes, the plant is still growing. And at nighttime, the roots will begin to wander out, and that's the time for the roots to grow at night, not the leaves, so that the roots are going to anchor into the soil, find the subsoil moisture, 
and they're good to grow by the time daylight comes out. They don't even know what they've missed. So that's the benefit of there's no transplant shock. They don't even know it. But follow these wise points. Very deep. Saturate your blocks really well before transplanting. And always transplant at least two hours before dusk or at dusk preferably. Excellent, Jason. Well, well, look, thanks very much. I, I think you've made me a better soil blocker. And uh, just anyone uh, still hanging in there with us on this long interview, I can't recommend uh, Jason's website, pottingblocks.com, enough. It's, it's just got a wealth of information and also a lot of products. Uh, if you're still kind of searching out all the tools and, and stuff you need, he, he sells a lot of it. And uh, along with the advice, it's just an excellent place to visit. Well, thank you, Jordy. We really appreciate that. Now, do you, uh, uh, do you mind, uh, it's, it's, uh, I have a segment at, at the end of every show where uh, I like to endorse something related to farming and gardening. Do you want to stick around and endorse with me? Yes, I'd love to. Great. Um, okay. Um, so, so, Jason, uh, what, would you like to, uh, what would you like to endorse today in the world of farming and gardening and agriculture? Uh, I would actually recommend people check out um, farmtech.com or farmtech. I don't know if anybody's heard of that. A lot of people have. Um, it's, it's a very, it's very modern, um, agriculture equipment for farming and, and uh, animal raising. But what I like most about farmtech.com is they carry a lot of specialized hardware and they have lots of pictures for greenhouse making and all kinds of new up and coming, uh, maybe it's, Maybe it's standard agriculture, not necessarily organic agriculture, but what you can do is get a lot of ideas and you can have access to a lot of different pieces of hardware to build um, contraptions around your farm. And so we've been a loyal customer of FarmTech for many years, and we just they're, they're a big company, and they're doing good things. Their prices are right. So, but what we really are trying to get our readers to look at is the ideas that can be stimulated from looking at a large company like FarmTech. Cool. Thanks. Thanks, Jason. Uh, today, I want to endorse uh, something that will be familiar to quite a few uh, uh, farmers and gardeners already, but it's just been such an excellent resource. It's the, uh, the Soil and Health Library that's run out of Australia. It was started by Steve Solomon. It's since been taken over by, forgive me, uh, Forgive me, because I can't remember who who who, oper- who runs it now. But it's it's a, it's essentially an online library of um, otherwise unavailable um, books and articles and papers related to agriculture. Uh, and if you if you Google soil and health library, uh, you'll very likely come across it. And it's just an incredible resource uh, on topics uh, related to to farming, gardening, and agriculture. I second that notion, Jordan. That is a wealth of information. And Steve Solomon is the Northwest garden guru, really. He's helped many gardeners grow a lot of produce up here. Absolutely. Well, listen, Jason, I can't thank you enough for coming on. I think you've uh, shared some really useful, useful information uh, with people, and uh, hopefully, hopefully we convince a few more people who were originally discouraged by soil blocks to, to give it another try. Hope so. Um, okay, thanks very much. So that's it, everyone. That was the very basic first episode of the Ruminant podcast. Uh, in future episodes, I hope to uh, have uh, a few different segments, um, but for the most part, the show will be uh, consists mostly of interviews with uh, different interesting people. Uh, anyway, I hope you uh, check us out again, and uh, thanks for listening to this first episode. Have a great week. Bye-bye. <laughs> Today I learned I don't need anything to live on Except for a little old you I've met a whole army of weasels, a legion of leeches, trying to give me the screw. But if we bury ourselves in the woods in the country, wear no clothes so we never have laundry, we'll owe nothing to this world of thieves. Live life like it was meant to be. Ah, don't fret, honey, I've got a plan. To make our final escape All we'll need is each other A hundred dollars And maybe a roll of duct tape And we'll run right outside of the cities 
reaches We'll live off chestnut spring water and peaches We'll owe nothing to this world of thieves And live life like it was meant to be trying to bleed us dry we could be happy with life in the country with salt on our skin and the dirt on our hands i've been doing a lot of thinking some real soul searching and here's my final resolve I don't need a big old house or some fancy car to keep my love going strong. So we'll run right out into the wilds and braces. We'll keep close quarters with gentle faces and live next door to the birds and the bees and live life like it was meant to be.